Welcome back, fellow spy fans. Uh, it's me, uh, your, one of your hosts, Dave, and I'm here with Todd. Hello. Um, and we are talking about Turn Season 1, Episode 10, the final episode of Season 1. Still on our uh, TV show format. Um, and uh, yeah, there's like this major raid that just kind of happens in this episode. So I think, Todd, if you want to... Give us a quick catch-up so we can maybe talk about the raid. Uh, stuff that's happened since uh, we talked about episode six. Uh, Rogers, Robert Rogers, our favorite uh, Scottish frontiersman. I'm not sure what the guerrilla fighter. Uh, he arranged, you know, he's still got he's still got a boner for Ben. And one of his ideas was to visit uh, the prison ship, the Jersey, uh, to basically bail out Ben's brother, Samuel. Uh, and then, I guess, like, jump on Ben at the prisoner exchange. Something like that. He finds out Samuel was dead. But so he goes for like the next best thing. Like who did Samuel talk to the most? Turns out to be Sela Strong, who we haven't seen since I think episode one. That's uh, Anna's Anna's husband. And she thought he was dead, I think. Uh-huh. She is only going to find out that he's alive in this episode in, in number 10. Um, so he says, I don't know. Next, next best thing. I'll pop this guy out and say that he's Samuel talmage and again be there for the for the prisoner exchange um i don't know if you had any thoughts on how this how this played out or or i mean it is it's a it's a i would call it i think it could fall under the umbrella of tradecraft yeah it was a trick to try and provoke talmage from what i understand if he told him oh yeah you you know we we got your brother here and uh we're we're gonna trade him, and then it's not him, and so they got him out for like a little surprise. So you know, there's some deception going on. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I so I guess the thinking of you know if I, because when when they're doing the transfer, Silas says I am Samuel Talmadge. Um, so clearly he was like briefed to say that. I'm not sure exactly how that happened, except I guess if someone's bailing you out and says all you need to do to get across this line is say that you're this guy and not who you really are. Um, but we weren't privy to that scene, so I'm not sure who it was that told Sila to maintain this fiction. And I'm also... Okay, but I understand why I picked Sila because Sila could... Uh, since they both came from the same town, he could answer all of the questions that might be put to him, right? You know, because, you know, if you're picking a guy to pretend to be a guy from Sawtucket, your best pick is, hey, there's this other guy from Sawtucket. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, he wouldn't learn, like, uh, the deep, dark secrets of the person himself, but he's from the area and knows everybody, so he would know enough to kind of fake it. Right. Um, and then, but, uh, you know, uh, Rogers is surprised that uh, Ben didn't show up at the exchange. Uh, 
I, we're going into a lot of detail about something that didn't even happen in episode 10. But <laughs> there's not a lot of tradecraft in episode 10. Um, spoiler, no. spoiler alert. Um, so I just, you know, and then once he saw that Sila and Caleb clearly knew each other, he takes a shot. Look, it looks like he's trying to kill Sila. And I just got really confused as what that was about. That, that, it, it kind of broke down for me there. Um, right. I, I don't know if you had a chance to, to put any thought into that. Probably not. Cause we, we only prepared for this episode, but that's what's going on with Rogers and Sila. Uh, relatively minor characters in, in the show. Although I think Sila's stock is rising now that he's, uh, coming back into the story. Um, Anna and Abe, have been working together in New York and finding even more juicy information. Um, this is uh, something I think I want to talk about in the recapping of the season. Like this is Abe again on full spy mode, which I really feel like he waffles back and forth a lot in the season. Uh, but at this point, at least leading up to now, he's in full spy mode. He's actively going to New York. He's actively recruiting Anna Strong to pose to be his wife. They're sneaking into parties that they shouldn't be in. Uh, they're getting uh, help and and advice from um, is it Annabelle, uh, the the black slave? Well, now freed slave, but apparently not completely free because they can still tell her where to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Uh, I'm a little confused by that, but uh, they're all working together. And the main thing that's happened there is that they managed to get a cipher key from general Andre or major Andre. I forget. Uh, but John Andre, uh, they've gotten a cipher key from his papers, which, uh, you know, Abe passes to Caleb and Ben, Ben, uh, uses that cipher to go ahead and look at previous messages that they've received that they weren't able to decode. And now they can see that they are decodable using the cipher. And that gives them a lot of uh, good information on where the red coat army divisions are, are moving. Again, I'm not sure if division is the right term. (laughs) What's just a, I need a generic term for a large ball of armed men. (laughs) <laughs> platoon no i think right. platoon is specific i think i think i'm gonna go with division okay um, at the very least just at the core of the word it connotes you know a piece a set piece of your army and not <clears throat> like the whole thing um so that's what they've been doing now simcoe has made his way back to uh, again, through a prisoner exchange, which I think we did talk about in episode six, is how he made his way back to um, his post in Sawtucket, Sawtucket, something like that, uh, where he has been very busy framing the fuck out of all the pro-continental townsfolk. Um, do you want to take this one? Do you have stuff on this? On the exchange? No, Simcoe's, all of Simcoe's, like, faking assassinations, uh, poisoning the fucking, poisoning Hewlett's horse to make it look like someone was attempting to poison Hewlett. 
That was dastardly. Oh, oh I told you. It's, you know, that's why I wanted you to kind of help us catch up because I haven't seen season one for two years. Um, so I haven't seen that part, but I do vaguely remember what you're talking about. And Simcoe is like super, super psychopath, sociopath, like he, to him, like there, there is no like diplomacy in his makeup, I guess. He's just kind of like a raw, like, uh, means to an end type of guy. And when I say raw means to an end, I mean like brutal means to an end. And we're going to discuss a little bit about what he accomplishes in episode 10, but okay. yes, he doesn't agree with Simcoe or Simcoe doesn't agree with, uh, major Hewlett's kind of, uh, military stratagem and tactics, I guess is the way you would like, like ideologically they're like diametrically opposed, you know, um, like Hewlett is 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 a very he's a likable character. Like even if like you're gonna watch his show and be like rah rah America, like you like Hewlett. He's a noble guy. He's an honorable man. He's all about the civ civil approach to warfare. You know he he's not the type to go against his word. Versus Simcoe is just like 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 we discussed in episode six when Simcoe realizes that guy is like a, a liar in front of John Andre stabs the guy. He doesn't even piece together. Oh, this guy could give us valuable information while Andre is like caressing and like massaging uh -huh. yeah, situation yeah. to possibly flip him in the future. And Simcoe's just like traitor. Boom. He's dead. I solved the problem. Andre, when do I get my like recognition? You know, where's my man? <laughs> like, um, so Simcoe just does crazy ass shit to kind of usurp Hewlett. And oh, like yeah. you mentioned, he poisoned the horse. Like, right. yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Just, just if, and if we, you know, if we didn't know yet, then I think the poisoning the horse is really when he like sails around the bend of like, oh yeah, we're, we're never, this guy's unredeemable uh, for sure. But yeah, Hewlett <laughs> is a really cool character. And in, yeah. in a way where he, he didn't come off as likable at first at all. Um, right. And he's mostly unlikable, but he just over the time that you watch him, you know, he actually does value friendship. He does value honor. Um, he believes in his cause. And, you know, I think one of the best lines, you know, like when he's, uh, you know, the we're going to get to this, I guess, in episode 10. But in episode 10 is like when he's like, this conflict will be conducted in a civil manner. You know, he's very emphatic about this. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not animals here. Yeah. There are rules. Yeah. Uh, very fucking red coat, British ish kind of, kind of dude. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's, he just, he just keeps growing on me. Um, and I hope he sticks around for as many seasons as the story can support. Um, Mary has found Abe's spy notebook. That marries uh, Woodhall's wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, she found that because he he basically showed it to his little boy, which uh, kind of reminded me of the um, the night manager uh, part where uh, let's see what's what's the actor's name the bad guy in Night Manager, uh, Hugh Laurie. Right. So Hugh Laurie's character has a secret office. And what he does to tell his kid to stay out, or he tells his kid that the office, you know, which is locked all the time, is like full of candy, 
which I mentioned in that episode, like that's the worst way to keep your kid <laughs> out of your office. Yeah. You know, you should tell them it's full of monsters. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so Abe fucked up by showing his, you know, but, you know, I don't know, his baby was crying or something. He wanted to show him something shiny, so he showed him the little hidey hole uh, where he, you know, showed him some some gold coins that are in there. And uh, But that's also where he keeps his pistol and his code book, which Mary has now found. Um, obviously, that's going to go places. Uh, that is pretty much everything that I can think of, the, you know, of what's going on with our characters leading up into... Well, one thing we definitely need to talk about real quick. Uh, uh, we're going to... F- f- there, uh, I forgot how this played out and, you know, take over when, uh, if you, if you can chime in to help, but, um, the raid is happening because Talmadge's father and I think Caleb's uncle are, have been taken prisoner uh, among other members of, or citizens of Sawtucket because, uh, it was discovered that a number of them might be traitors and, um, ah, and how, and how was this discovered? I forgot to mention when we mentioned like what's been going on with Simcoe. Uh, remember during his captivity uh, with Ben and Caleb, they foolishly let him know who they were. So he knows who their families are. And this is a vindictive man. And yep. he figures he definitely is the kind of guy that thinks like, well, if, if, if this member of, of, you know, the Talmadge family, is a quote unquote traitor, then the rest of them must be as well. And the same thing with, uh, I forget Caleb's, Caleb's last name escapes me right now. But those, huh? Caleb Brewster. Yes. And so that's why, that's why he's going about trying to frame the, uh, uh, members of that family of those families. Right. And their friends. And yeah. There's, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 11 or 12 dead, Simcoe wanted to execute or something. And then Woodhall, who I guess is on his way becoming a magistrate and kind of an attorney-ish like his dad, who's very diplomatic, very political, very good at, you know, uh, what you call it? discourse, maybe. And so Abe is able to convince Hewlett, you know, because Hewlett is a man you can appeal to as opposed to Simcoe. Uh, to, to, what's that word when you move someone's sentence over somewhere? Fuck, I forgot the name of the word. Oh, commute. Um, commute, yeah. He commutes the sentence to Jersey, which is where um, Selah Strong was on that boat, and they all thought it, that he was dead. So Talmadge wants to go and get these prisoners, and this is what leads up to the raid. Um, I think that's about it to catch us up, right? Yeah, I do. I guess I forget how it was exactly that Ben and well, I guess it must, maybe it was a regular message from Abe or something, but I, I forget exactly how Ben and Caleb found out about Simcoe's witch hunt. Um, but yeah, but, they, 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 I don't think they knew that the sentence was commuted yet. They thought that they were going to be executed. And, they and will Abe know. Had to tell them. Right. But either way, at some point it's brought up that because you know, Ben's brother, Samuel, who never, we never saw, we never met him in the season, but we know that he died on the Jersey and, and they've not seen the Jersey, but to them that tells them that like, uh, you know, the sentence 
of 10 years to a prison ship isn't a sentence of 10 years. It is a death sentence, or at least that's the way they are interpreting it based right. on, based on, you know, the fact that Samuel died there. And well, now they, now they know, cause they have Sila in, uh, you know, in tow with them. Yeah. And so he yeah, can describe, right. So he can describe to them that, yeah, the Jersey is, it's not, it's, it's not a prison. It's, it's a place people go to die. Right. So the, uh, so I guess we're caught up. So this episode's about a raid onto Sawtucket. The Continental Army, or at least the, the ranks under Talmadge are going to raid Sawtucket to try and get the prisoners back. Um, and we, we, we start out, uh, they're, they're kind of sneaking up on, and one, one thing I wanted to point out, I'm not sure if you caught this or if, if maybe I'm misunderstanding, Caleb spots two dudes that are like just fishermen and he's about to go kill them. And Thomas is like, wait. And he's like, they're just fishermen. Um, but he runs up to go beat him up and he's like, hi, Bill, how you doing? So he obviously knew them. So I'm wondering if they were scouts posing as fishermen. And that's kind of why I wanted to point that out real quick. Like, do you think they were actually fishermen or were they were like scouts? No, I think, I think that was just a man and his son going out uh, fishing and they just ran into some bad luck. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, if they were scouts posing as fishermen, that would have been plus five points, but it was just some d- <laughs> Um But they, they, they land on the island. Um, they're uh, not able to stop the hanging of one man. I'm not sure who he is, but I guess it's like a statement because... Oh, I know. Uh, I, can, I can tell you who that guy is. The first one? Yes. Okay. Um, the... Okay, so, so all of Simcoe's uh weird like i mean he faked an assassination attempt on abe's dad yeah um you know in a way that would frame the preacher who is ben's father kind of stuff uh you know he's done a lot of super shady stuff um and that has got the there's a certain group of people that are i mean they are pro-continental but you have to make a distinction here between like I mean, there's people that are just because you're pro continental, which means pro, you know, team blue, pro USA and anti British. That doesn't mean that you're a fucking terrorist or an assassin (laughs) or that you're actively. I mean, you're and this is I've been brought up a few times in the show in nice ways that weren't like overstated in the way they could have been. But like it's allowed to have a fucking opinion, you know, right, right, right. just cause you have an opinion about the current regime doesn't mean you should be hung. You know, this, this is actually something I, I've been meaning to talk about in this show. And I'm glad we got to talk about it at the end of season one. Okay. Um, as, as, as much as I love this show, uh, there were some moments that made me feel like I was watching those like shows you watch, like those like special videos in history class where they like reenact shit like in in like revolution or civil war times or something. And they like overtly like force stuff. And I, I feel like it's not super forced, but it's like a little bit. There's these little like, um, I don't know, what would you call them? Like, like, like seeds being planted or little foreshadowings being planted of like, this is why we have the, the, the amendments, 
like free speech, like right to privacy, like you are not allowed to quarter my house during peace right. time. Oh, hey, hey, that's, 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 yeah, that's a good one. This show does demonstrate like why we have that <laughs> amendment. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what, like, I feel that was about, there's a lot of little moments like that, like where it's just like trying to punch you in the face with, Hey, this is why America has these amendments, you know? And, um, that I, I think a lot of it's done well, especially in the free speech. Okay. Stuff. So wait, 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 you just said punch you in the face. You're talking about those history class things, not this show, right? Well, what I'm saying is this show does that, but not in like a cheesy way, like in history class, but it's still there. You know what I mean? Like they'll Good. shoehorn it in. Like, okay. Like, it's like, by the way, like, like here's this really cool, awesome spy story we're watching and it's historical, but Hey, by the way, uh, in case you didn't know, like, here's that battle. Uh, by the way, in case you didn't know, this is why we have free speech, you know, like, um, and, and I'm not saying it's done in a cheesy way like those history class videos, but I, it, there's a lot of times where I'm reminded of those moments where I'm in history class and it's like video day and, and you're watching like the Civil War reenactment and everything is just like, like everybody like always knew how to say the most amazing thing right then and there, you know? Oh, right. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and they just beat you over the head with like, this is the what we're trying to get to, you know? So um, I'm not saying it's like cheesy. I'm just saying like there's a lot of moments like that where it's just like kind of shoved well, I, in there. Yeah, I would say I would say it's done it's done deftly, uh, and in a way that you know there are some moments where if you're paying attention, like we're re- being reminded what the stakes of the conflict are. You know what right. what this is really about. Uh, besides being about you know tea and cotton. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, I'm what, a two percent raise in taxes, is it, what, what, didn't, wasn't it like three percent income tax or something? I forgot what it was. I don't but know. Like, <laughs> but the I taxation without representation, like I found out when I was older, was it was like three percent or some shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, I mean, granted, I mean, the economics was way different back then. So 3% back then could have been like your livelihood, but still like, it's, it's like, we're, we're, we're arguing over like the difference between 20% and like 40% and possibly higher wealthy people paying like 70% these days. And like the revolution was literally fought over like three or 4% taxes or something like that was, that was, that was the catalyst, you know? Uh, but sorry, uh, uh, what, we were talking I, about the free speech. You were talking, yeah, you were talking oh, about well, having an opinion. Uh, well, actually, I wanted to like from what you're talking about and just the way the show handles like the two factions and talking about like what's at stake kind of stuff. There was one really interesting thing that came up in a previous episode, uh, which kind of blew my mind a little bit, and I've been chewing on, uh, you know, kind of in the background was that. Um, you know, slavery was not legal, had been outlawed in Britain at this time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Hewlett brings this up. There's the episode where uh, Caleb's, uh, or no, Sila's uh, slaves are being released. And they, they really underplay slavery in the show uh, in a way which I don't want to super delve into, but... You know, like, I mean, even Ben, a fucking cabbage farmer, he's got like two black guys working for him, which. Are you talking about Abe? You said Ben. I'm sorry. I meant Abe. 
Yeah. yeah. Woodhall. Yeah. Right. Um, it looks like he's got a pair of slaves. Right. Um, but, you know, this show is not about slavery. But the the interesting thing I wanted to bring up is that uh, it made me – well, okay. So the slaves get released from slavery, but – they don't exactly just go scot-free, like do whatever the fuck you want. Here's 40 acres and a mule kind of thing. It's more like, well, all the men are going to go into military service. And after like X amount of military service, they'll be free. Uh And uh, I don't know, like the women, like uh, Abigail, I'm sorry, I forget her exact name, but um, you know, Sila and Anna Strong's house maiden has, you know, even though now she's free, she, you know, still the powers that be just get to dictate. Well, now you're free. You're basically free to be uh, General Andre's house servant in New York. Woohoo. I, I think they're trying to play her as Agent 355, who was a famous woman spy. I don't think it's confirmed that it was her, but I think the show uh, makes it her. Right. And, and, and I appreciate, I mean, I, I like the, um, I like the, I like the moves the show does. I mean, it is a an overwhelmingly white show. Uh, I actually do kind of appreciate the, the, at least nods they make to try to bring some people of color, uh, oh. in, into the mix. But what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, cause Hewlett said like, well, slavery has already been outlawed in Britain and I'm sure it's soon to be outlawed in the colonies. What's blowing my mind here is the idea that if we had lost the revolution, slavery, like if, if, if the United States had not become free of Britain, it's entirely possible that slavery would have been outlawed in this country decades before it it was. Right. That's a mind fuck to me. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, because I'm I'm grown up, I'm brought up to always think of like the British of this time as just the enemy and this little note of being reminded like on this one very fucking important point, they were actually more progressive and things might have turned out a lot better for black people in this country if we hadn't won the revolution, at least in the short term. I mean, after that, you got a whole fucking different, like you're in a, you're in an entirely different historical paradigm and who knows where that goes. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a, there's a lot of like really broad concepts that are brought up in the show that are interesting like that. And uh, I'm glad you pointed that out because I I completely forgot about that. Um, but yeah, uh, but you, uh, I think you were talking about, um, the, the idea that the prisoners that the raid is happening because of, they, they weren't like exactly rebels. They just, they weren't loyalists. Exactly. And I remember, okay. You just reminded me exactly where I departed. You were saying you didn't know who it was that got hung. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, the the first guy. And I do. So. This goes back to, again, Simcoe just thinks anyone that is pro-continental must be a traitor. And if you don't have evidence that they're a traitor to the crown, then you manufacture it and fucking kill them, which is... And that's what Simcoe did? Yes. Okay. 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 
Um, but no, but these people did have, you know, the people he's after, it's not like he was just targeting random people. These are people that do have pro-continental leanings and they're getting freaked out by this witch hunt of Simcoe's. And what it so happens that a whole bunch of them signed a petition at some point in the past to nominate Sila Strong to the Continental Congress. Basically, they were signing a paper that said, okay, so this is sometime in the past, but there, there's a piece of paper. They refer to it as the petition in the show. There's a piece of paper that has like 20, 25 people's names on it or something like that, that does say that we, you know, before you guys showed up, we signed a piece of paper that said we didn't want you guys to show up and we wanted to be on Team Blue. Right. And so one of the people on that list is freaked out enough that he brings that petition to Hewlett. He's doing that. He's basically saying, he's basically, you know, showing his belly. You know, he's saying like, don't, don't kill me. I'm the good guy that I will tell you who all the other conspirators are because he's so fucking afraid of Simcoe's brutality. Uh-huh. Even though, like, they've done nothing illegal, but this mm-hmm. looks bad. And it, yeah. and in light of when you combine the petition with Simcoe's list of people that he is framing as traitors and th- those lists match up, it looks really bad. And so that's really why, like, you know, this is all going down. Anyways, the guy that gets hung, uh, you know, in um, uh, what what do you call it? Like the uni- the universe just showing some justice or whatever in a dramatic fashion. Like the first guy they string up is the guy that was turning over. Oh, that uh, threw everybody under the bus. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He says says before he gets hung, like I brought the info to you. That's right. Okay, okay. That's like the the little. Uh, you know, you, you get what you put it, you reap what you sow type of thing. Poetic justice. I think that's, yeah. that's the term we're looking for. Okay. Um, um, but it's just as they've hung that guy and they're about to hang the second guy is when Ben's continental division shows up and they all start shooting and uh, the, they don't, they don't take, the whole town. They take most of the town, but they don't take the church, which I think is called Whitehall, right? Mm-mm. Whitehall is the name of the estate, is the name of um, Ben's dad's estate. Or Abe's dad's. <laughs> Thank you. The, the mag- yeah, the, the magistrate's estate. Um, so the, I managed to get, yeah. I managed to get a little further into my beer supply than I usually do before starting to record. Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, but um, so that's where we're starting is they've they've raided the beach. They've taken the town. They don't have the church and they don't have Whitehall. Um, the Redcoat Army under Hewlett's command has taken those prisoners that they were supposed to commute the sentence to Jersey, but Simcoe wanted to hang. The Continental Army has taken some Redcoats prisoner in the tavern that was owned by Sela Strong at one point. Um, Uh There's like a whole, there's there's another thing that I was talking about where like, you know, right to property in this instance, whatever. Um, uh, 
uh, the the one thing I really liked. So that's what we're saying. There's like kind of a standoff. There, the there, there actually isn't a battle in this episode. There's there's like a little bit. There's like what do you, what do you call it? Skirmishes. They're shooting at each other for a couple times, but I wouldn't really call this a battle, right? Uh, even though the show's called the battles. Well, I guess it's a spy battle. Um, and and I think the this this little tidbit I wanted to talk about. I wanted to hear what you thought. Um, uh, the the standoff right now. The Red Coat Army is holding down the church, has the prisoners in. Um, the Continental Army is holding some the, most of the town and the Redcoats in the tavern. They tried to raid the military stock and get powder, but Hewlett, in his you know uh, very smart strategy, uh, shot down the storehouse. So now there's like a serious standoff. The Redcoats are waiting for backup. There's supposed to be like a giant ship showing up with uh, reinforcements and in the tavern, uh, Mary, who's Abe's wife says, say something, you know, cause there's like a little tussle between Sela and the new owner of the tavern and all that stuff. And Abe gives this big speech talking shit to Ben. Meanwhile, Ben and Abe are working together because Abe is the spy for Ben. And, and there, and, Abe's like, look, you know, you're not, you're not going to take that barricade down. You're just going to get all these great people killed. And, 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 and Ben's like, oh, is that your wife and kid? He's like, hi, Mrs. Woodhall. I uh, remember your husband being less talkative. I want to just underline something. Is This is the first time in the series that Ben and Abe have shared the screen. Oh, that's right. They haven't seen each other in like years right. since like Ben fled and joined the arm, the Continental Army. Um, it was before a, a, it was before Thomas was born. Oh, that's yeah, it's that's been a right. lot of years. Yeah, um, but uh, the the thing is, is Abe didn't know about the raid. Uh, they got info somehow about the the prisoners and brought the raid, and and so Abe not only is kind of faking an argument to look like he's a loyalist, but he's also kind of like, fuck you, you, you know, like what is going on? Like I already handled shit here. What the fuck? You know? Uh, but I want I wanted to point that out as mad plus by points is Abe putting on this big performance of, of like, fuck you. What the fuck? Like you shouldn't have come in here. You're just going to get us killed. We got women and children. Like, what are you doing? And, and so I don't know. What, what, what do you thought? Oh, and Caleb is, uh, uh-huh. I think, uh, they yeah. decided they're going to use Abe uh-huh. as to to be the white flag uh, to deliver the terms to the Redcoats of uh, of what their terms were, to, you know, so people don't start dying. There's so much that like really works in this because like not only is Abe promoting himself as a loyalist and talking shit, but they use uh, ben and Caleb immediately use this opportunity as using their guy to get in there to get immediate reconnaissance info of what's going on at the church, and and I really like. So I, I don't know. What would what, you think about that? It's I, good. I, I, I it, fucking loved it. It's solid. It's solid werewolf, and yeah. in an, in an episode that doesn't have a bunch of tradecraft, it should be noted. Um, you know, they they have to maintain the fiction that they haven't you know been collaborating with each other. Uh, right. They they do it great, and picking Abe as the guy that's going to uh, negotiate with Hewlett is a good excuse for them to you know drag him away from all the other townsfolk so they can talk in private, and and Caleb even throws in the the extra you know 
fucking gut punch Abe on the way out and really make it look like they're dragging him off to, you know, rough him up and, and, you know, fuck you. But that that's, you know, they all end up in the, uh, cellar, Anna, Ben, Caleb, and Abe. Who did I miss? I'm doing so bad on names. Anna, yeah, it was, it was Anna, Caleb, Ben, and, uh, Anna. And, um, well, this is also something good to talk about. Um, Ben didn't tell Anna her husband was alive. This is the first time she's seen it. Like, there's like a cool little shot where he, you know, Sailor shows up and shoots the sign of the tavern that was his tavern. Just fucking all manly, like walks up and kisses his wife, you know, like, but uh, she, she annoyed, she thought his, her husband was dead. So Ben claims that he made the decision not to tell Anna. And what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you think the purpose of that was? Do you think that was just like for like the cinematic like story? Like, this is this, you think? this is what I have on that. Uh, you know, amongst all the really good tradecraft in this show, there's also a certain uh, there's a certain helping of just fucking soap opera secret sharing. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, with when we finally got the four of them in one room together which mm-hmm. hasn't happened before. It, these right. are basically our four heroes. Right. And they've all had, in, I mean, well, I don't think, I mean, also Anna hasn't shared the screen with Ben at all. She's had interaction, you know, they've each had interactions with each other and, and had the, the cutouts, you know, between them. But this is finally the first time all four of us uh, uh, main heroes are in the same room and, you know, some secrets are coming out and, some of these secrets are not necessarily like tradecraft related. They're just kind of soap opera stuff, which I don't mind. I mean, it's, it's good. I, I feel like it's important, you know, I mean, you know, I, I like tradecraft obviously in a movie, but if I don't, you know, if I don't care about the people as human beings, then, you know, sometimes I get that effect of uh, like, uh, what was it? Um, Tinker Tailor soldier spy, you know, uh, you know, the tradecraft is great. Do I care about those characters? Not really. Yeah. You know, on a <laughs> right. human level, this show has both. And I think it has it in the right proportions. And that's why I love it personally. By the way, definitely don't forget to check out our episode of Tinker Taylor Soldiers by that we did, uh, what, almost a year ago. Wow. We've been doing this for two years. Wow. We, yeah, we have. Wow. Um, we, anyway. started, we started work in we started work in October of That's last right. of two years ago. We didn't we didn't actually uh, publish, publish anything we had until like I think the beginning of February. Wow, I can't believe time flies. This wow. Uh, well, aside from that, um, another thing I wanted to point out about that conversation is you know, Ben tries to tell Abe what to do. You know, Ben's like uh, like an officer in the military. Uh huh. Abe is still a civilian. And I wanted to point out um, back in episode six, when we were talking about uh, general, you know, dick face that was just like, no scouts always use scouts. It's tried and true type of game. He did make the point that um, you shouldn't use civilians because they're not military. They don't have a regimen. They're unreliable type. This is a good example. Even, even though Abe is right in this, I just wanted to kind of, check that box off that, you know, the show is really kind of covering a lot of different bases. 
um, when you're dealing with a civilian agent, they're not military. They're not bound by anything to give orders. And Abe is like, fucking, I'm not in the military. I don't take orders from you. And right now, shit is hit the fan. I'm going to be the one giving the orders now. And, and I, I really like that. It's a very, you know, rah, yeah, fuck you. You know, like, this this is the situation that you just, like, created. I'm going to fucking fix it. Um, but on the other side, I did want to kind of, like, just check the box off. Like, th- this is one argument you could say uh, about using civilian agents is that they, they aren't bound by anything, you know, unless you're going to do what typical, like, uh, agencies will do is where you start using like leverage on them uh, to to keep them in check, um, which is kind of shitty. But uh, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's my cue to come in and and throw out uh, a a a minor complaint to have about the show. Uh, you know, Abe has Abe has gone back and forth from fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore to. Fuck this. I'm definitely doing this. Like maybe maybe one too many times at this point. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that he's our character like above everyone else in the show, he's our character of being on the knife edge of conscience. And and it's so appropriate that he's the son of a magistrate, you know, and that he's studied the law and he has you know, his family roots, he's, he's, he's a great character to be this kind of guy. And from that little one article I read about the historical accuracy of this, this does correctly reflect Abe Woodhull. Did I get the name right this time? Yes. Yes. Uh, as, as a historical character, he did, he did waffle a bit. Um, but, you know, they're down, they're down in the cellar and he's like, I'm fucking, I'm out. And then yeah. <laughs> 10 seconds later, like he's back in and <laughs> after he negotiates the prisoner uh, release, which is, you know, and okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, you know, then he's back on board. He's just like, Hey, just tell him I'm not going to be Culpepper anymore. I'm going to be Culper. Yeah, Samuel Coupler. I'm not signing the letters any other way, you know. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And that felt like uh, something, let's see. I've mentioned several times about this show is like, I I love it so much. I feel very immersed and very rarely feel like it's a history lesson. But this little moment, I'm like, Culpepper to Culper? Why do I give a shit? Like as an audience member, like yeah. this, this, it doesn't add anything to the story. There's no, there's, I almost guarantee you, there's going to be no moment where the fact that he changed his code name from Culpepper to Culper is going to have like an impact on the plot. Right. But it's probably just something that happened to happen in history that they started out by calling him Culpepper and then it got changed to Culper. And this is like maybe just a fucking little jack off to history nerds that yeah. know this shit. <laughs> right. Right. And they're like, Ooh, yeah. check it out. Oh, they knew about that. That yeah. detail. <laughs> well, I don't know about that little detail. And if it doesn't matter to the story or the plot, then just leave it out. He just yeah. should have been Culper in the first place. That's, that's my feeling on that. And again, like it's, it's, it's time for Abe to pick a fucking side. It really is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Uh, speaking of sides, he, he, he goes with the white flag to talk to Hewlett. And uh, there's some cool politicking going on with the magistrate, his dad, and Hewlett and himself. And, of course, Simcoe has to put his fucking word in. Um, Abe brings up they're not trying to take the town because Hewlett is like, I am in charge of this town. I have sworn to defend it. I am not letting him take it over. Abe's like, no, they just want the prisoners. Just give them the prisoners. They'll give you the red coats, and they'll be on their merry way. That's all this is. Simcoe jumps in like the bloodthirsty. No, this shows weakness. These guys are lying. This is a fool. They have the advantage right now. They're just trying to get get out because of you know reinforcements are coming, and they're like, well, what do you want to do? And he's just force the force them to bring in the assault, and we'll slaughter them with cannons and bullets. And fucking Simcoe grabs. Uh, is it was that Caleb's uncle? That was Caleb's uncle. The apple, the old guy, the oldest of the supposed yeah. conspirators. Yeah, that was his uncle. And he's kind of like, kind of like a little bit of a beloved character throughout, you know, the, the story up until now. And so this is like a big deal. Simcoe just runs out, grabs the dude, pulls him out of the church, fucking shoots him right in the neck, right in front of Ben and like the whole army, and just screams like, you know, you know, like he's just like. You know, letting him know, like, we're not fucking around here. Come fucking get us. He's going to force the charge, even though Hewlett directly ordered him not to. So there's, there's, you know, we were talking about, like, Simcoe's just, like, non-capacity to, like, be diplomatic or strategic. He's just like, no, fuck this. We're going to fucking kill these fuckers. And um, it, it, that, that does set up uh, – when was – no, when did they start shooting? Now, to be fair, real quick, to be fair, a little bit fair to Simcoe, even though he's a natural-born sociopath, I mean, he was captured and brutally treated in a very illegal fashion by members of these families that he's trying to enact his vengeance upon. So just that that little note that, um, you know, he's he's not – he's in – even as a as a villain and as a very horrible person he's not entirely out of his mind just wanting to kill people yeah you know he's got a he's got a he's got a cause for vengeance here that's true um i i do think we left out there was a little bit of a skirmish earlier that i wanted to point out because we were talking earlier about simcoe's like strategic ideology um prior to this interchange he uh, they started shooting at the church. He had all of the soldiers pull up the prisoners and put them in the windows to to stop that. I think it was uh, Celestrong that like uh, flanked them. They snuck out and then flanked them from the side. Um, just just so you know, like this this is the 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 type of guy that Simcoe is. He was like, all right, pull the prisoners up to the windows. If they want to shoot, they can just kill the prisoners, which is what I wanted to do anyway. You know, like, so that's, he's very Machiavellian. Like, I'm going to force you to make decisions and it's up to you. And whatever decision you make, I'm just going to do whatever I do regardless, you know. Um, But I want to be, I want to be a real pedant for a second. Okay. Uh, The, um, the flanking maneuver was described as uh, Sila being able to uh, get uh, a position that had higher ground. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, over the church and but when he attacks by the way it doesn't it doesn't yes yeah they're, they're attacking all. from slightly lower ground yeah. um but 
that actually points out a cool thing that I wanted to mention about like just uh, the geography of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But something tells me like, I, I just believe in my heart. Like it's like knowledge I think I have and I don't know where I picked it up from. But you know where you put the church in a town like this? You put it up fucking high. You put it up on the highest hill. Right. So that all the town can see that God is there for them and, and right. watching over them. And and that's the reason that the church was taken over by Hewlett as his fortified position, because also it, you know, it has, you know, a view of the entire town. Um, So just, I mean, that little note feels good. And also like by the time we get to this episode w- without... I, I don't think I could draw you a map of the town of Sitaket, but there's something to be said about feeling like you basically know where shit is in relationship to other shit mm-hmm. when when you're gonna have an episode like this. Yeah. And I just wanna give a little 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 clap to the show of like by this time I feel like I wouldn't you know, if if you dropped me in Sitaket, I don't feel like I would be lost. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, they definitely helped. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. They they were on lower ground, and then he, Silas Strong, also was like, "Oh, I can sneak from the back." And then you see, and there's just like three trees and some bushes, but the rest is like open field. Yeah, how, how did the they get there? How did sneak? they get there without being noticed? <laughs> yeah, like you got a fuckload of soldiers, and then they keep showing Hewlett with his fucking telescope. Like, I love the way he pulls out his telescope and looks. It's it's very like flamboyant and proper and like fancy. You know, he just like pulls it out very like elegantly to look in his tele. You know, I I, love, I, I, I always love a fucking uh, uh, two generals looking at each other through telescopes. Moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this show had one, you know. Yeah, I'm busting out my telescope. I'm looking at you, motherfucker. I'm looking at you, and then the other guy. That you see with your little eye is like, uh, oh, I'm bust out my telescope. Oh, I see you too, motherfucker. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, anyway, um, uh, Hewlett orders the men to, you know, arrest Simcoe for fucking like blatantly disobeying orders and just fucking around. Um, and at that point, the magistrate convinces Hewlett to let the prisoners go unconditionally. Um, and Hewlett, you know, there's a little back and forth, but the idea is that if you let them go unconditionally, um, the Reverend who is, uh, Ben's Talmadge's dad can convince him to just leave. Just, there's no reason for further bloodshed. Just fucking give him the shit that happens. The red coats that were prisoner were released. They get on their boats and this is kind of cool. I I'm sure this is for the story, but it was also kind of cool. Anna jumps out of the boat and I'm not sure if this, the show wanted the story to be Anna jumps out because she wants to be with Abraham, but her words are, the cause needs me here. And she jumps out of the boat and starts swimming back. Hewlett sees her, tells his men to stop shooting, and tells him to go get her. And the idea is that she is escaping the rebels. This really, really solidifies her position as a loyalist, quote unquote. You know what I mean? It does. I, 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 I wanted to give mad love to Anna as a lady spy here, like really understanding, like 
I can jump the boat. I'm escaping the rebels. I, I will be appreciated as someone that ran from the rebels because they were trying to take me captive and I, I want to stay in my home to tuck it. And you know, I'm, I'm all for the crown. So I, I, I really like that. I don't know. Uh, um, so what I'll say is that like, I want to give spy points because I mean, she definitely earns some great tradecraft dividends from that. Yeah. Move, but right. I just watched that episode, like right before we started recording and uh, to me, the way it's shot, it's so clear to me that her decision is more about wanting to get back to that sweet Abraham Woodhull dick. <laughs> right? And, and I mean, if you watch the way it plays out, one way or the other, like, that's got to be the way Silas sees it. Like, oh, whatever yeah. her motivation is, and uh, I, think I, I think I know, or at yeah. least I think I know what the show what the the editing of the show wanted me to think yeah. um there's there's no way Sila can see this any other way if he's if he's watching the same show i'm watching <laughs> right <laughs> and they show they show him stand up watching her and then they like abe and anna kind of uh not really embrace but you know they get a little close and they have that like look like i'm about to make out with you so, yeah, yeah they get real close they're 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 fucking each other in their minds yeah <laughs> Is what's going on there? I think. Yeah. Um, so the, you know the raids concluded. They leave. Um, there is a moment where Mary starts burning the book because you know again Abe and Mary didn't know about the raid and she she had found the book before and she was like how did I know they were going to come out here you know be a danger to my family because all she cares about is family and they make that very clear. It's not she's a loyalist. It's not she's a rebel. She just gives a fuck about her family. You know her husband's been fucking around with Anna. You know because they were like childhood sweethearts and shit. You know so you know but I, I really wanted to talk about this scene because uh, I, I want to give credit to Mary where credit is due with good tradecraft. Because as they start arguing, it's obvious what they're arguing about. And there's a guy that had court in their place, Mr. Baker. And prior to this episode, you're not going to see this in this episode, but prior episodes, he's an awesome guy. Like, we've already seen the asshole soldiers that are quartered, you know, that they're just like there and like, yeah, I'm here. What are you going to do about it? Like, give me your fucking mutton and, uh, you know, a, a, a barrel of ale or some shit. No, Mr. Baker is like... He, he he treats them as hosts of him being their guest. And he's like a good guy. You know what I mean? But he overhears the argument, realizes that, holy shit, Abe's a spy, tells Mary to step aside. He's about to take him. Abe grabs a pistol. And this is a really, really emotional moment because Abe and Mary really like Mr. Baker. And Mr. Baker really likes Abe and Mary. And, and Abe is in a situation like, fuck, my cover's blown. And he's like, dude, you don't have to do this. It's a little standoff. He's like, look, you might be a traitor, but I'm not a traitor. It's been brought uh, up so many times. It's been brought up, brought up so many times that Abe has never killed anyone. You know, he's been accused of murder a few uh -huh. times, and he's made this very serious point. And other characters about him is like, you know, like, uh, you know, and in the duel scene, uh, yeah. in the duel episode, which was previous, you know, like that yeah. was a big thing. Like Anna was like, Abe, you've never killed anyone. You don't want to fucking start here uh kind of stuff so yeah he really doesn't want to pull the trigger he's promising baker like dude just just i'll leave i'll run You'll i'll leave never, never come back yeah, yeah. it was a really nice emotional moment and it, but he does shoot him and um and you know as he's dying he's like look you know just stay alive like i'm sorry like you know um but 
reason I'm bringing that up um, is because Mary immediately, and I mean immediately, you know, uh, is like, look, here's the story. Some rebels came into our yard. Mr. Baker saw them, tried to shoot them. They shot him, but they let us go because of the boy. She came up with like the most elaborate understandable story, like completely reasonable story. And, and, and she was like, I know how to clean up a mess. And I just wanted to give her mad spy points for like immediately figuring out how to clean Like, Oh, oh, that's right. And they, they burned down the son of uh, the magistrate's house. So that way they could like get rid of the body. And I, I, I really, really like, the only thing that bothered me is though, if the story is they ran through the yard and Mr. Baker spotted them and was going to try and get them. They, she should have moved the body outside of the house if they're going to burn the house down. They're not going to – like the rebels aren't going to take the body into the house and burn it, you know, unless it's like a super dick maybe, – maybe they would. But anyway, I just wanted to give Mary mad spy points for just like on the fly, like boom, boom, boom. This is what we're doing. I'm your wife. Like I, I can handle this and I'm going to uh, – you know, she she – that's what I like about her character. She is like the wife. She cares about her family. She cares about her husband, even though her husband's like fucking around on her, you know, on, on top of being a spy, you know, that she's kind of like come figured out and, and, but she's still like, like, you know, sticks through it. This like for the family, this is, this is what we need to do. Boom, boom. Like I already got it figured out. Just, just follow my instructions. And yeah, anyway. So a couple points on this, if I may, um, one, I, you know, I, I really want to underline, I was so, I really liked Baker. Uh, you know, it's nice of the show to give us a sympathetic red coat character and not just paint yeah. them all as fucking psychopath Simco types or, yeah. <laughs> you know, super hidebound, um, royalists like, like Hewlett. And, you know, he had his dude, his story about you know, did you remember he was an orphan? Like Who, he's ne- no Baker. Oh no! Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, ba- wow, they really poured on the sympathy for Baker. They did, they did, and I fucking lapped up every little fucking last bit of it. Like oh. he's never, he's never, he he didn't grow up in a house like this, you know. So this is his first like experience of seeing what family life could have been like. Uh-huh. If it hadn't been for the tragic instances of of his, uh, you know, uh, fate or whatever, so mm-hmm. yeah, um, really, I really, I really shed a not an actual tear, but um, a uh, a psychic tear uh, for him getting killed in in this yeah. in this way. Uh, but but over to Mary, um, I'm not sure. I I feel like. Well, I, I got pros and cons on this. Uh, uh, I'll go with the cons first. I've seen this scene before. I've seen the the wife character that just seems kind of helpless, tossed amongst the waves, you know, of, of fate and, you know, just forces beyond her control and she can't fucking have a happy life or whatever. Like, just suddenly turn into this steely, badass fucking uber brainiac that can right. like 3d chess <laughs> out you know when you know it i guess it's like the mother it's some it's some version of the the mama bear story uh-huh. that you know when 
like you might be a woman in a in a situation where you don't have a lot of control over things, but when the chips are fucking down and your family's at stake, like you just absolutely fucking rise above and become some mental version of the Incredible Hulk and lift the car off the, <laughs> off the person. Um, well, no, I mean, like women at the time were like, like they, you know, they didn't have much of a voice, right? You know, uh, compared to now, and a lot of what they did like had to be like indirect right so she would have been someone that understood a story you know and like and if she's like keeping the house together you know while abe's being a spy and fucking some other chick right like i i believe like, that's why you're lying i know how to cl clean up a mess right you know she, she, i'm sure like there's rumors about her husband like banging like anna and shit like that and, and you know there's that whole like side of society of gossip, you know, and storytelling. So I, like, I feel it's very believable that she could come up with the story that quickly. But I, I, I do think you do have a point where it's just like, okay, this I'm not saying, been... I'm not saying it's unbelievable. I'm just saying it wasn't, um, it wasn't set up. This is a payoff that didn't have a setup that, that right. she was secretly this smart. I'm happy to see her, uh, character rise up into a higher, role of prominence in the story which uh i have watched a, a little bit of season two she's definitely like a lot more um engaged and has more agency in uh, that and and i'm happy to see it i just that that i just wanted i'm not i'm not trying to douse your fire uh i'm just right. throwing like one little damp cloth into it oh that, okay okay I didn't, feel, no. I didn't feel it was set up enough right right yeah, no, no, that makes sense. She definitely wasn't a big character. She just kind of was there to like, yeah, you're right. They kind of just made her as like the the like naggy wife that was just like the ball and chain for him, and he's our protagonist. And it's just like, oh, why can't he just be with Hannah? His, you know, and and no, you're right, right. It's, and there's I'm, only, I mean, there's only so much of that that we can tolerate. You know, right. I mean, she can't just be weepy, weepy, like why me, wowsy, wowsy, yeah. woo woo character. Right you know, forever. Um, but you know, this is her moment. These, these last couple episodes of the season is where she's going to rise up. And I think she's going to play a more important part in, um, in season two, as far as this plan goes, you're right. It's, or the story goes, it's, it is very elaborate. It it's, it's a lot. It, I guess it does make sense. I think I could have come up with a simpler one. I think I could have just dragged the guy out into the woods and said some fucking, some of the continentals on their way back, you know, uh, he saw some torches. He went out there. We heard some gunshots and then we were afraid. And then well, they have to in the morning. The wh why? Because there was blood all over the door. Like, I don't think they had like bleach back then. You know? Well, I mean, they also didn't have forensics back then, but like you, you can't have, there was blood everywhere. Right. So the, I, I, I mean, like, I don't know. The house would have been. I don't know how fast they could have cleaned that up. And I think burning the house down might have been the best story. But you're right. They could have just pulled them out there and say that they burned the house down. I, that's what I'm saying. Think, like, why did they leave? The I body think if in I'm it, I, now, I'm not saying I'm as smart as she is in this moment. But I think if I was as smart as she is in this moment, I think I could have come up with a simpler plan that didn't involve burning down everything they fucking own but but now i'm gonna circle back around 
and like uh-huh. and like triple cross you. Uh huh. She always wanted to for them to live in Whitehall with his oh, dad. Oh yeah, yeah. She was never happy with this situation. Right. Uh, so. Okay, so I'm going like I'm going down or I'm going up and then down, but then up again yeah, <laughs> on the trip right? crap that she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> you see That's what I'm point. You see what yeah, I'm saying? No, like she's getting I, she's getting what she wanted. She didn't want this cabbage farmer shit. She wants dude, also like what I guess it's this world, but in what world is it like Oh, if you flunk out of law school, well, I guess it's off to be a cabbage farmer. <laughs> like in in modern society, there's a little bit of a distance between fucking lawyer and cabbage farmer. Right? <laughs> but in this one, apparently there's not, which might go to you know, just uh I don't I don't know if it's intended, but uh commentary or maybe that's just the fact of this era you know being that stratified Mm -hmm. um you know that you're either you know uh, practicing law in new york or you're digging maggots out of your fucking cabbage crop and saying god damn it they're all fucking rotten again (laughs) guess i have to do some smuggling yeah um yeah uh but uh yeah she burns this code book um uh, I I think I only have one other note uh, for this show regarding tradecraft, uh-huh. and that is that uh, Roberts at one point it was an episode we didn't talk about directly, but uh, remember there was a murder of a captain very early in the series. Actually, I think that was in episode one, and Roberts was in town at the time when. Abe and Roberts found out who it was. And so it's this one guy, like this one kind of really weaselly looking guy. Do you still see him hanging around? I do. I didn't see it in episode 10, but I know which guy you're talking about. That like creepy, wormy guy. He was in the tavern, right? So I just wanted to mention like Roberts set that guy up. Like there's another spy in this show that hasn't we haven't seen do anything and it's that guy robert said you're gonna be my fucking spy from here on out well what is this guy doing is he is he sending out any information i mean it's fine i'm not saying that we need that or that uh that it's a mistake of the show that we don't know what's going on with that just to point out that there is another uh spy story happening that we as an audience have not yet become privy to Wow. So I'm looking forward to some payoff for that setup in uh, later seasons. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's about it. There was a cool scene with Rogers and Andre, but I don't really know that there was anything to talk about in that. Um, other than the joke uh, where Andre offers him some alcohol. And uh, oh, I'm like, I'm trying to quit. I'm and then, trying to quit. And, and Andre is like, Sherry or physics? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Makes like, oh, it my makes God. like a oh. physics joke. Yeah. Oh, it was a good one. You know, one of the other best jokes in the, in the, in the season, if we're going to talk about good jokes, um, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but uh, it's when Caleb and Anna met in the barn. 
And she says something like, I guess, kind of high minded or something. And he says, well, I never went to Yale, but I did fuck a girl that uh, like <laughs> was a secretary of an English professor once. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty fucking and then, funny. Right. And then like later in that same exchange, uh, you know, oh, cause uh, she wants to be like active, you know, and, and do some stuff. And he says, no, 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 you can't. Cause you're a, you're a woman. It's too, da- it's too dangerous. And she's like, oh, what? Like, Oh, you men just think like women are like, you know, for nothing better than for uh, suffering your bulk upon us when we're not improving your English. Right. <laughs> that was a fucking dastardly good uh, joke exchange. Um, yeah, uh, uh, let's 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 land this plane. We're over an hour. I've, I've been having fun talking about the episode. I don't think there's anything else specific we want to talk about about this episode. No, no, I'm good. I got all my notes out. Um, let's 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 rate it. Let's rate let's let's rate this. Season. Oh, rate the show. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see. I really really liked it, um, especially this season. Um, so uh, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna go with a four on this one. There's there's some things that bothered me that kind of were a little hokey. So as but I it, this is definitely a worthwhile watch so I'm, I'm definitely giving it a four right i you know i think i gave it away in our very first episode this one's this this is a five for me uh it's a total five when i finished watching the season i immediately went back and started watching it again because i wanted to catch all the stuff that i maybe missed. <laughs> nice <laughs> um i think this is the best okay i'm a science fiction guy so when you talk about my favorite shows of all time they're all going to be science fiction. This is, you're going to see Star Trek. You're going to see Battlestar Galactica. That kind of shit. Right. When it just comes to drama, I guess I don't absorb a lot of drama. You know, I got I to gotta drop my pants for Sopranos, and I got to ride for The Wire. Mm. Um, now, those are both, like, modern. This is a period piece, and that's part of what I really like about it, like, the feeling i really feel that like this show puts me in like i feel immersed in this Mm -hmm. piece of history um and god help me if you know by the end of it like 90 percent of what i know about the revolutionary war is from this show but it's probably (laughs) gonna be the case (laughs) so i'll probably wander around with at least some misconceptions Mm -hmm. but I love this show. It's absolutely a five for me. Um, what about its uh, tradecraft accuracy? What I we wanna... like to call in this show a park bench reading. Yep. <laughs> of course, the park bench maybe had not been invented yet. I'm sure well, they, they had, had chairs and they had gardens, but I don't know that like the idea of the park. I think was around. I think. I think they had, I I don't think there were public parks. I think that there were, uh, you know, on, on his, his majesty's estate, his honor's estate, (laughs) there was a nice garden and there were some nice benches, but uh, they had privacy there anyway. So it's not really a park bench. I'm sure they Mm -hmm. had benches, but they didn't have parks. That's, that's what I think. Anyways, it goes from one to five. What do you think? What do you think the show deserves? 
How I, accurate I, I, is the spy craft here? I kind of want to go with a five here because we're we're. I don't I don't know how accurate this is historically spycraft wise, but I want to really really like hammer down on this that there's so much fundamental tradecraft that goes on in this show. Like I really want to give it that five, but uh, I I will understand any. Um, uh, you know, contradiction or I guess uh, any any arguments to drop it down to maybe a four or four and a half, but this definitely should get a high rating. I am totally with you. I think I was I was uh, riding for a five over most of the you know ever since we started watching it. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, just at the last minute thinking about it today, you know, I think the egg thing is bullshit. I think. There's some things that um, are have to be have to be being kind of manipulated either for dramatic purposes or or for some other reason. I don't know. I I I I would not be unhappy with a five, but maybe it's a four point five. Um, I can you think of it? The egg. Okay, I'll just put out the egg thing and say that's. An example of, okay, that didn't really happen, or at least we have no <laughs> proof of it, right? Yeah. Um, can you? Think but they of, do if, do the lemon juice thing, don't they? Or is that later? I'm sorry if I'm spoiling, but oh, they yeah. did do the no, lemon juice thing. No, we haven't seen the lemon juice thing, which is like the secret message stuff that we all learn in fucking third grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if like. What what I want to do uh, here is just ask you if you can think of the single worst piece of tradecraft that you can think of from turn and decide whether or not that's good enough to drag it down from a 5 to a 4.5. Well, one of the bad ones was Caleb and Talmadge talking in front of Simcoe. Like, that's not even just bad, bad tradecraft. That's like bad captive craft. An interrogation craft. Yeah, but I but I think it's believable. Like, you know, okay, by, that's yeah. By the egos of the characters. It's not a it's not something that um you know, it's not technically incorrect. It's just like, oh, bad bad move. Right. And and I guess protocols like that hadn't been established yet. I mean, I would like to think so, because it's not like like the Continental Army just fucking like just showed up out of nowhere like we all came from england like not all of us but well i didn't either but like the united states of america most of the colonists were british right like you would think like the the men and women that like were well learned like doesn't like yale and harvard like out like the like are older than the country type of thing like these were established universities these all came from like well-educated families like, it wasn't just the debt owners and the fucking criminals that were sent here, right? You know, um, I would like to think that there must have been some sort of protocol in British engagement that, like, don't fucking say stupid shit in front of your captives. Uh, but, I mean, who, who knows? But you're right. I mean, Can I read out some examples? Uh, uh-huh. I'll, I'll give you four examples of films that we've given a 4.5 to and one that we've given a 5. Our okay. 4.5s previously have been Spy Sorge, mm-hmm. 
which feels very much like akin to this one to me. Battle right. of Algiers uh-huh. also feels like feels like a match. Tinker Taylor and Pine Gap. Those are our four point fives. Do you remember? Oh, and our are? only five was Day of the Jackal. And Day of the Jackal was like almost not even a movie. It was like a <laughs> it, it, it was like a, 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 a an instructional video, as far as I'm concerned. Like they tried to make a story, but it was like Day, yeah. Day of the Day of the Jackal. I agree. I I stand firm with our five on that. That tradecraft yeah. that's demonstrated is unassailable. Yeah, and and as much as Battle of Algiers is treated like an instructional video, it had its own. Yeah, it's, I, you know what? You're, I, th- I think you've convinced me. A four point five is pretty good. We're not going to give it the five. We're not going to give it the gold star. No, no, because no, now that you brought up Day of the Jackal, this this doesn't even compete. You know what I mean? Like Day of the Jackal is practically like an instructional video. The Day like of the Jackal. Assassin. The Day of the, yeah. the Jackal. Undefeated as our only five park bench rating, we're giving turn season one a four point five. Uh, yeah, we've told good. we've told you what we think about turn Washington spies. Uh, how can we? I'd really love to hear what our audience thinks about the show. Please, how would they, how would they do I, that, Dave? I, I have seen the emails and I have seen like, you know, the likes on some of our posts and I can tell the people that are listening to us would really love something like turn. So please shoot us an email at spieslikeus.net on the contact page, or you could tweet us spies underscore like us or on facebook.com slash spies like us podcast. And uh, I think Todd and I would jump for joy if we got something for him. Oh yeah, we we don't hundred percent interact with you. We love we love talking. Obviously, we love talking about spy movies. If you have any yeah. comments, like <laughs> let us know, and also let us know what you want to what you want us to cover. There's, I mean, we have a we have a list. I mean, oh my god, we've done An like, enormous. We've done An two years list. stuff, and I guarantee you, we have like six years more of, of spy movies that and TV shows that we could do. Uh, yeah. So it would really be a help. Uh, if people jumped in and said, like, you need to talk about Confessions of a Nazi Spy or Dishonored or, or whatever it is, whatever it is, right. or The Prisoner. I'm looking forward to getting to The Prisoner. Yeah. Um, as always, also, like, you know, even if you're not, like, you know, you don't want to do the work of going on Twitter and saying like, Hey guys, you are stupid. You are stupid. This show sucks. You know, which <laughs> we, would even, we would even, that's how craven we are for attention. Uh, <laughs> we, would, we would engage with you. Let's get in a Twitter fight. Um, or you could physically just tell someone, you know, if you like this show, chances are, you know someone else in your life that would like the show, recommend it to them. And at you, a park can't bench. Do it at, you can't do it at a park bench if you're in 1776. You would have to invent parks first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming up next, it's going to be uh, I'm another one. I'm pretty fucking excited. You haven't watched it yet, right? 
No, no, I'm gonna watch it probably tomorrow or Monday. Okay, I hope I'm, like, so. Really excited. Where Eagles Dare, 1968, a a a, a story, a motion, a mostly action movie, but uh, you're gonna find a beating heart of spycraft at the middle of it that'll make you question a whole bunch of shit. We're gonna have a fuck ton of fun talking yeah. about this one. I. <laughs> Um, and then it, also if you haven't already please subscribe to our podcast uh, any podcast app you can think of just search Spies Like Us podcast and choose to subscribe and uh, we'll see you next week for Where Eagles Dare the preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net <laughs>